0: Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the 12 marks of the man of God. I hope you enjoy Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, Episode 2. I hope you enjoyed our last episode on why we started the Cut It Straight Podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about the 12 marks of the man of God. This past week, I shared with the young ministers of First Apostolic Church the 12 marks of the man of God. Now, we only went through the first four, and so it's my intention in this episode to only share with you those same four. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. We're going to read verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Let's read verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. What does it look like to be a man of God? What are the qualifying, distinguishing characteristics, qualities, or marks of the excellent minister? Paul went to great lengths to point Timothy in the right direction of becoming an excellent minister of the gospel. Each of us should pursue excellence in our ministry. Whether we're preaching every week behind a pulpit in a congregation... We're in a Sunday school room with children or young people, whether we're teaching a discipleship course or a home Bible study. No matter what arena of ministry that you're in, you should pursue excellence. In 1 Timothy 4, verses 16, verse 6 through 16, excuse me, Paul gives 12 marks of a man of God. Number one, in verse 6, the man of God is a watchman. In the same verse, verse 6, number 2, a man of God is a good servant. In verse 6 again, the third mark is that the man of God is a student of Scripture. Verse 7, the man of God avoids false doctrine. Number 5, in verses 7 through 9, the man of God disciplines himself for godliness. In verse 10, The sixth qualifying mark is that the man of God is a hard worker. In verse 11, number seven, the seventh qualifying mark is the man of God teaches with authority. Number eight, in verse 12, the man of God is an example of spiritual maturity. In verse 13, the ninth mark of the man of God, it's a biblical ministry. The tenth mark, and in verse 14, the man of God does not neglect his calling. In verse 15, the eleventh mark, the man of God is consumed with his calling. And finally, the twelfth mark of the man of God, in verse 15, is that he is progressing in spiritual growth. So we're going to look at four marks of the man of God. We're going to do this over a few episodes but I going to look at four of these in this episode. To understand the first mark, we need to go back and look at the first five verses of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Paul says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. What stands out to me is the first part that he says that in the last days, there will be those who will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, they reject eating certain types of meats. And Paul says that this type of teaching is erroneous, and even teachings and doctrines of devils. Something so small, something so minute, must be rejected. It must be pointed out and called error. So the first mark of the man of God is that he is to warn the brothers. He is to warn the church. He is to be a watchman, the one who stands on the tower and watches for trouble. He sees something as small something as minute as those who would forbid marriage and say there's certain types of meats that you shouldn't eat. And he says, you need to point that out and say that's not of the gospel. The man of God is to be a watchman. He is to warn his flock of false teachers and false teaching. And this is what was happening in the church in Ephesus. False doctrine was creeping in. And so Timothy, the overseer, the pastor, the man of God, was to be a watchman. He was to make sure that he pointed out error and pointed his flock towards truth. A watchman is one who is concerned about the safety of his people. The man of God is to be discerning of error and point these things out. We must put them before our hearers. Now listen, we're not to give all of our time and attention to negative things. Not everything that we read on the internet, not everything that we see in uh, newspapers and television should get audience in the pulpit. But when we see things that are creeping in, something even as small as forbidding marriage or not eating particular meats, we need to point it out and say that doesn't stand up to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to be discerning. And we must allow our people, our flock, to be discerning as well. Believers are not to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. It is up to the man of God to biblically warn and point out error. The man of God must develop strong theological convictions. You must study hard truths, and you must develop a method of conveying truth in a clear, simplistic style. We are to preach truth in love. The man of God must continually warn his flock of error and show them truth. He says this, if you do this, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. The second mark of the man of God is that he's a good servant. By warning and being a watchman, the man of God is considered to be not just a servant, but a good servant. The word good in the Greek here can be translated to noble, admirable, or excellent. It takes a noble man to do a noble work. It takes an excellent minister to do an excellent work. The word servant is not used here in the technical sense of the office as of a deacon or an elder. But it's found in some more general usage in the Greek of one who serves in any ministry on the behalf of Jesus Christ. This particular Greek word for servant may be contrasted with another word frequently used to describe those who serve Christ, and that one is doulos. And uh, that word doulos, which is translated servant in, uh, most of our Bibles, is actually the word for slave. That idea of using that word is one who is under submission and subjection. But how, however, Paul doesn't use that word doulos in this context. He uses another word for service here, or servant, which has the idea of being useful. Those who serve Christ are called to excellence in their usefulness for His cause. And being a watchman? That's useful. That's a noble work. And that's a good servant. You're serving your people when you're pointing out error and teaching them truth. You're serving your people by teaching them to study the word of God for themselves. That they might be discerning and know truth from error. The way to defeat false doctrine is not only denouncing and refuting it, but also by positively teaching and living out the truth. By being an excellent servant of Jesus Christ, Timothy could deliver those under the bondage of heresy and erroneous teaching. You're serving your people when you're bringing them out of darkness and drawing them to the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do. We're to serve. We're to help those in the world. We are to help our listeners. We are to guide people into all truth. Look what he says here. If you do these things, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. The third mark of the man of God is that he's a student of Scripture. Weak preaching Leads to weak churches. But a man of God who is faithful to the study of the Word of God will build a powerful church. Faithfully warning God's people must be rooted in the faithful study of God's Word. A lack of biblical knowledge only leads others to more biblical illiteracy. However, we mustn't just study to preach. We must study for the nourishment of our own souls. We are to be students of Scriptures first and foremost for our own spiritual benefit. We don't just approach the Bible as something to get something to preach. We must come to the Scriptures as one who is under submission that the God of the Bible is our Lord. And that we are studying his word to nourish our own souls. Paul says, being trained in the words of the faith. Now, the King James Version says, nourished up. The New American Standard Bible says, constantly nourished on. The continual experience of being nourished on the truths of the Bible is essential. The excellent minister, the excellent preacher, must read, Study and meditate on the Word of God. We must try our very best to cut it straight. We must pursue mastering the contents of the Bible. On the other side of that, we must allow the Bible to master us. We must meditate on Scripture. We must study Scripture. Let me read you Psalm chapter number 1, which is very familiar to all of us, but I feel it's very important that we understand the purpose of nourishing uh, our souls on the Word of God and being a student of Scripture. It says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. Not just at conferences, not just at camp meetings, not just when he's inspired, not just when he feels energetic, but the man of God, the excellent preacher. His delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on his law day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's what an excellent ministry looks like. It is a man of God who nourishes his life on Scripture. The man of God must be nourished and immersed in the words of the faith, which means the entire body of Christian truth found in Scripture. The man of God must know all of it, from Genesis to Revelation. You can't just know and preach your favorite verses. You can't just go up and preach your favorite topics every time. The man of God is well-nourished, well-immersed, well-trained in the words of the faith. Genesis to Revelation. And not only that, he says the man of God must be nourished and immersed in good or sound doctrine. You need to study theology. Study creationism. Study the origin of sin, the fall. Study the history of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. Study the church. Study eschatology, the study of Christ's second coming and the end times. Study apologetics, how to defend the faith. Study the Godhead. Study baptism in the name of Jesus. Study the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Study holiness. Study all the things of sound doctrine. Don't just focus on one doctrine, but be well-rounded in your ministry. Be nourished and immersed in the words of the faith and in sound doctrine. Then finally, the fourth mark of the man of God. He avoids false doctrine. He says, have nothing to do, verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Paul says not to have anything to do with irreverent, silly myths. Nothing to do with such things that are profane and silly. That phrase, have nothing to do with, and the Greek is a strong word, meaning to reject or to put away. Paul contrasts being nourished on sound doctrine with putting away or rejecting false doctrine. The ESV says irreverent, and the NASB says worldly fables. The original word describes that which is radically separate from what is truthful and holy. Anything that contradicts Scripture is irreverent and worldly. They're fables. They're fictitious. They're mythical. The King James Version says, Profane and old wives' fables. Paul sarcastically denounces false doctrine as something like a fairy tale being taught by elderly women to children. There is no place for foolish teachings in the church. The man of God must not involve himself, or the church for that matter, with silly, irreverent myths and fables. Preach the Word. Preach the Bible. Don't get up and preach your opinion because it'll never match the authority of God. Preach the Scripture. Don't preach what gets on your nerves that week. Preach the Word of God. We must not forget that the first book end of this section, Paul called it it doctrines of devils. Have in mind that what he is saying is, you must know truth, and you must reject that which is false. Have your mind and your heart saturated with Scripture. Be a voracious reader of Scripture. Feed your soul and spirit upon the Word of God. Don't fill your mind with conspiracy theories on YouTube and Facebook, but fill your mind and heart with Scripture. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. For more information and blog posts, go to my website nswitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at NSWhitley, and be sure to like and share my page on Facebook.